Honey, pause for a second. Did you hear me? Welcome to The Spinal Frontier, a podcast where we speculate as to why Star Trek aliens are the way they are. I'm Kelly, she, her. And I'm Aaron, they, them. So today we were inspired a little bit maybe by the newest Picard episode, uh, the premiere of season three. No spoilers, of course. We became interested in the way aliens speak and what allows humans and humanoids to speak and um, the the methods of communication. I think that we, we kind of got on that tangent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe how some other aliens speak that maybe don't communicate verbally. Or maybe verbally, but like not in the same way. They don't have the same throat stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe we just break down how humans communicate first. Yeah, I think that's a great launching point. Yeah. So it takes more than you think to think about communication. So we have to be able to receive a message and understand the message and then respond to the message. Those are kind of the three parts of specifically communication. So we have really special organs that we have in our ears to be able to detect detect sound, but we've also got eyes um, so we can receive written communication or um, sign languages like gestures and also proper actual language sign language. We have noses so we can read those scratch and sniff cards from when we were kids. <laughs> but we're unlike dogs or whatever. We don't <laughs> go around sniffing butts for communication. Yeah. Um, shout out to Joan. Um, my mom likes to call when dogs sniff bushes and then pee on the bushes. She calls it checking their pee mail. <laughs> she thinks it's very funny. We've talked a little bit about eyes already. Have we talked about hearing yet? I don't think we have. Maybe, maybe, yeah, I guess that would have been our first episode, Our right? very first yeah. episode. So yeah. if you're here, you probably have already heard that one. <laughs> so we can kind of skip that first part, right? Like the receiving mm-hmm. of a language. But humanoids are special in that we have the brain structures to be able to process language. Mm-hmm. Because... All kinds of animals make noise, right? We make noise, but all, all many animals make noise. Yeah. But it's the noises that are made in complicated sequence that convey advanced meaning. And mm-hmm. that that's kind of what language is. And that's somewhat unique to humans and humanoids here. We've also have instances of uh, primates who can sign and conceptualize language, Mm. just not in as complex of a way. And they don't have the vocal capabilities, like their vocal cords aren't shaped like ours are, so they can sign, they can use sign language, but it's it's rudimentary. It's not, they're not reciting Shakespeare or Mm. anything. And if they read Shakespeare, they don't know what it means. Yeah. Well, I know that like dogs and cats can recognize certain words too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So mammals in particular mm-hmm. can definitely tie meaning to human words, but it's not quite the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we have these really special parts of our brain that are called Wernicke's area and Broca's area. They're both located on the left side of our brains, kind of above our ears. It's not bilaterally symmetrical it's just on our left really interesting yeah so Wernicke's area Mm -hmm. is for processing language in general so being able to understand and then speak language yeah if 
there's damage to Wernicke's area. You might have total word salad, like when, when you speak, the words are just a jumble of mm-hmm. noises or a jumble of words that don't make sense in a string. Oh, there was a, an episode of Deep Space Nine like that. Yeah, it was yeah. If aphasia, right? So mm-hmm. cause that's the other thing. It's like maybe you just don't make noise at all because you cannot process that language. And that was uh, the aphasia virus in that in Babel mm-hmm. um, that prevented people from speaking. So that's that's what damage to Wernicke's area looks like. Okay. Um, the ability to like communicate eloquently if you have damage to Broca's area. Broca's? Broca's. I've been saying it both Broccoli's. ways. Broccoli's. Sure. Ensign broccoli. Oops. Uh, it's like you can get cauliflower ear if, and you have the broccoli area right next to it. Uh, I mean, that's a way to remember it. Sure, why not? <laughs> I don't know where my head's at. Sorry. Both of your, your broccoli area seems to be intact um, because Broca's area, Broca's area. Um, if you have damage to that one, mm. you might be able to communicate words that make sense, but not in long sentences. It's, it's just okay. like kind of very limited language so that's interesting too because you need both of them to communicate well in general Mm -hmm. a couple of things i was looking at when i was looking into this because we happen (laughs) we happen to be looking at uh deaf people use the those two language processing centers to they they process language on the left side even though Mm -hmm. it's a visual communication it's still communication and so that part of the brain is stimulated also professional musicians so music is often is supposed to be processed kind of on the right side and amateur musicians who are playing notes and whatever mm-hmm. process kind of music on the right side of their brain is that the uh, quote-unquote creative side of the brain i can ne- i think so i think I've, right side's creative mm-hmm. left if you're really left brain you're really like analytical i feel like that was kind of debunked oh, a while debunked. ago yeah but yeah and here's why because uh-huh. if because the the creative music side is stimulated on the right side until you're a professional musician who really is proficient mm-hmm. in playing music, then the communication centers of your brain light up on the left side when you're playing music because music is another language to you at that point. Oh, interesting. And we put together unique sentences all the time. So, like, you could compose a unique piece of music, and it's it's art, but it's probably happening with the left side of your brain, yeah. right? Yeah. Will Wright, the left side of Will Riker's brain is firing up. When he's playing jazz. <laughs> <laughs> Again, you don't need just mm-hmm. vocal cords to have language. You really need to be able to uh, process the language too. But we so we keep bringing up vocal cords. We're not actually talking about vocal cords. Maybe we should do that too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we've done the brain thing. Let's move down to the mouth and the okay. throat. So vocal cords. If you hold your two finger, your index finger and your middle finger up in the shape of a V. Your vocal cords are kind of V-shaped. They're connected on one end and kind of open on the other. Yeah. And they move together and press together and vibrate. And that is, you, you're pushing air out of your lungs through your vocal cords to make them vibrate mm-hmm. in order to make noise. Okay. Or to, for, for speaking, right? So it's all about tension, too. Like, if you are tuning a guitar string, if you tighten the guitar string... It makes a higher pitch, and when your vocal cords stretch, that that higher tension mm-hmm. also makes a higher pitch. Okay. So my vocal cords are longer now than they are now that they're now my voice is low. Mm-hmm. Um, when when you loosen the vocal cords or loosen a guitar string, the tone gets lower. Yeah. So that's kind of the basic mechanics. 
and why you lose your voice when you get sick is because you've got like mucus mm-hmm. that comes in between or your throat can be swollen and kind of set your vocal cords a little bit apart. And so they're not able to vibrate together at the same time. They both have to be the same tension too. So if one side is like damaged or has a cyst on it or it's not stretching for some reason in, at the exact same tension, then your voice gets wonky. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's what's up with your vocal cords. Mm-hmm. And as we see in Star Trek, most humanoids have some kind of vocal cord verbal communication situation. I feel like I've been talking a lot. Do you want to talk about the... <laughs> I just needed... We needed an introduction to, like, the different things that are going to be different. With. Well, yeah, this is the physiology stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what did, what do we want to go and talk about? Star uh, Trek aliens? Yeah. Yeah? Is that, uh, that, that what we're here for? I guess that's what our podcast is about. It's not just Kelly talking about stuff, I suppose. But do you want to talk about maybe some vocal things that we've noticed in Mm -hmm. there's an episode of voyager where they mention i think neelix mentions that it's hard for talaxians to sing in the way that humans do because their vocal cords don't produce what is it diatonic tones do you know what those are yeah diatonic tones means those kind of the natural notes like the do re mi Mm -hmm. those in 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 order and so like a major major scale or a natural minor three consecutive notes so toxins can't sing do re mi from sound of music is what we're saying from that episode of deep space nine where they have like a five minute plus do re mi breakdown for some reason oh yeah Yeah. oh no (laughs) because one of one of the actors was had i must sing in their contract i'm sure (laughs) i guess but that's that was their crazy breakdown and Mm -hmm. uh no talaxian could join in with that Uh, it wasn't it wasn't that bad but we watched it recently and i was just like i think you mentioned like this is going on way longer than it needs to yeah it was (laughs) (laughs) we're just can you imagine because that was created in an era before fast forward oh yeah yeah. <laughs> People had to suffer with that live on television for minutes. So growing up, I did kind of watch Star Trek when it came out on TV. But like most of my Star Trek experience actually was in VHS cassettes that my dad had recorded. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, we. I just I was a TV kid, so I just saw a lot of stuff on the reruns. Mm, okay. All the, all the syndicated stuff. Yeah. Yeah, because I think my mom actually watched it in sequence, but like. I wasn't awake for that, mm-hmm. so I just. But I knew Mom watched Star Trek, so oh, okay. I, I watched all that stuff later. I guess. So you didn't. You didn't get to enjoy the time capsule that is ten-year-old commercials. Oh, I just watched a lot of a lot of TV, mm-hmm. so I definitely saw all the commercials. Oh, okay. I'm not going to go into my rave about Saturday morning infomercials being oh, better yeah. than Saturday morning cartoons. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> that's a hot take. Oh. It's a good thing I'm hot. (laughs) (laughs) I love you, honey. I love you, too. So there's Talaxians that can't do multiple pitches like that. Mm -hmm. Are there any that don't talk at all? Yeah. I think of, like, in The Next Generation, there's aliens called the Cairn Mm -hmm. who um, communicate telepathically instead, and we'll get to that later. And then there's, uh, in the original series, there's a group of aliens that are only called Gems People. I think because the character from that species is, they call her Gem. 
And they're too lazy to give her people a name. Yeah, Jim as in as in G E M, not like G I M Kirk. Yeah. Yeah. Jim <laughs> as in the eighties cartoon. <laughs> oh no, that's J, right? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, then let's move on. <laughs> okay. In terms of interesting Star Trek alien communication, a lot of there's a lot of aliens that communicate in ways that aren't verbal. Yeah. Do we want to talk about that? Sure. So, well, verbal as in like vocal cord based communication, because mm-hmm. there are a lot of humanoids that click. So besides vocal cord based mm-hmm. verbal language, we also see a lot of clicking mm-hmm. and humanoids click, humans click. So humans on Earth have the, well, I'm going to try and say it. My mouth is too dry. Hold on a second. It's really, it's really difficult. Is it, uh, or is it, it farther it's, back? It's farther back. It's okay. in the middle of your mouth. So it's the osa mm-hmm. is osa and Apologies if we've butchered that word. I'm, I'm trying. Let me, let me get yeah. a clean osa, I think. Okay. Like, it, I know the click is in the middle of the roof of your mouth. That language is the language that incorporates clicks mm-hmm. that you see out of Africa. Like Trevor Noah can speak mm-hmm. speak it and does sometimes on The Daily Show or has sometimes. I guess he's off The Daily Show now. But that is more of a tongue on the roof of the mouth situation. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of Star Trek aliens that only communicate via clicks. It's more of a like... And they tend to be more lizard... Not all of them, but they tend to be more lizardy, right? Like, Yeah, that tends to be my impression. Like the Gorn... Yeah. Do a lot of, of clicking. There's an alien species that lives in subspace. They're fam- like in one of the more famous episodes of The Next Generation, abducted a bunch of Enterprise crew members to do experiments on them. And they kind of look like, like birds or something. Birds kind of click too. Bir- birds and lizards yeah. are related. Yeah, they're kind of a rubber mask alien that yeah. when you get a really good look at them, like kind of. The, the mystique sort of breaks down <laughs> but it's a very creepy episode sure yeah well a lot of clicking is more of a like throat closing and opening mm-hmm. without vocal cords there's no vibration there yeah because lizards don't have vocal cords they kind of mm. just have like the pipe and so have you ever seen an axolotl squeak no or like a desert rain frog or, you know, the, think, you know those desert frogs yeah. go, <laughs> Yes, yes, I know those. <laughs> it, like, they can't really modulate that. They just make, they just cry out mm-hmm. or just squeak or click because like, their their throat kind of like, I don't know if they're doing something with their jaw or what. Yeah. Maybe I could have looked at that a little bit better, but all the kind of squeaks and groans and whatever, that's because they don't have vocal cords. Okay. And it's more of like squeaky toy situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Do we want to segue into some other ways of communicating? Sure. So... Because I've been dying to talk about Tholians. Okay. Th- go ahead. Go talk about Tholians. Go okay. for it. So Tholians do make, like, clicks and squeaks and chirps and stuff, but in some interviews and show notes, it's outlined that they communicate largely through emitting different types of radiation, mm. which is really cool. And I think even one of the um, the writers said that they had this idea, and it's in Enterprise where Tholian sends out a distress signal from its like own body. And the idea is that their crystalline structure 
of their bodies can act as a radio transmitter. They resonate. Yeah, yeah. and like, so radio waves, that is a form of radiation, so, and so is visible light. So I think maybe Tholians, like, do color changes or something, like cuttlefish. I mean, not like cuttlefish. What do you mean? Well, they oh, okay. have the same structure. A different mechanism, but like... I'm being pedantic, Okay, sorry. do you want to tell us about cuttlefish? No, because that's a whole different thing. It's communication. They communicate with each other. It is. Oh, my gosh. I mean, yeah. So, uh, cephalopods, so cuttlefish, squid, octopus, Those that octopus is being my actual area of expertise, mm-hmm. um, have these special skin cells that are innervated. So, they, they each one has a nerve connected to it, mm-hmm. or a neuron anyway, like some kind of stimulus from the brain gets a message directly from the brain to expand. Yeah. So normally it's contracted, but when it gets a stimulus, it, it flares out and turns a color, or it is a color inherently, and so it's either brown, red, or yellow. Mm-hmm. And that blend of brown, red, or yellow, each color has its has a different nerve on it, so they can kind of subtly adjust the different levels of those three colors, but they kind of come together like... Uh, old RGB televisions yeah, and to blend these colors to make a oh, variety cool. of color. And there's more to it with different... They have different white spots underneath their skin and mm-hmm. different iridescent spots underneath their skin that reflect the greens and blues. And so they they can turn a whole heck of a lot of colors and change them very quickly. And that is kind of their main form of signaling it's not quite communicating in the same way because we talked about language as a more of a back and forth communication Mm -hmm. while most animals like signal Mm. so they're like it's a yes or a no or a back off or a don't hurt me or whatever but like it's very brief messaging Mm -hmm. that doesn't doesn't really communicate anything very complex nothing yeah nothing very complex so if tholians had a visual color mm-hmm. language they would have to be able to derive meaning from an infinite number of colors there might we might have to consider patterns mm-hmm. also it could be as simple as like different color patterns for like putting emphasis on things so maybe they're communicating the mood rings. and then yeah and then they're using their colors to say this is a question or this is i'm saying this irritated i'm irritated or i'm being sarcastic now this is starting to remind me of the species. What is it? <laughs> Are you talking about Ten C from Discovery? Ten C. I was thinking about them just now. They're not in our show notes, but no. we should talk about this. We should. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm scarred for life, also because when we were on Trexpert's quiz mm-hmm. recently, Davey asked us about Ten C, and I was really mad because I forgot what it was called. <laughs> Actually, you forgot too. Oh yeah, it's one kind of, of a very, funny name. very few questions yeah. that you didn't get. So if you haven't heard us on Trexpert's Quiz, or if yeah. you should probably go listen. And if you are here because of Trexpert's Quiz, hi. Oh yes, <laughs> good welcome. to have you. Yeah. Yes. I, re- I wish I knew what they called themselves because Tinsy is just what we called them. Nobody asked. Nobody asked. That's rude. That's we spent. I mean, I guess they were trying to prevent the apocalypse or whatever. Yeah, but slash. I'm hoping Booker. somebody asked at some point. Oh no. It's Starfleet. It's Starfleet. They're just going to call them 10C forever. Like, does, That's so sad. Does Species 8462 or whatever have a... Do we know if they have a name? Did anybody ask them? No, no. nobody asked them, and we definitely should have. Because one, Species 8472 is a mouthful. Two, 17. it's disrespectful. Yeah. Starfleet is not, like, the most respectful anyway. 
it is known. <laughs> no, yeah. So I mean, that's, I, that's a consequence of our concept of respectful evolving over time as we learn more. And yeah. the writers belonging to a particular demographic that's still learning. And we believe you're still learning. Yeah. We'll get there. Life but, yeah. is a journey of learning and it never stops. Yes. Somebody tell us what yeah. the weird, quote unquote weird, like the needlessly unnamed numbered species, what their names actually are. Yeah. yeah. It's okay if it's unpronounceable. At least tell us that. Give us something. I think Vulcans probably aren't called Vulcans. They're called volcanoes. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, this is a bit of a tangent, but let's get to species 10C and their flashing light patterns. Yeah. yeah. So that's another visual language. Mm-hmm. We. It's interesting because, again, like the, if we're going back to cephalopods, part of that communication is, or like that signaling that they do, they can have like flashing or kind of moving patterns on their skin. The most common one's called flashing cloud mm-hmm. or passing cloud. That <laughs> I've been known to pass clouds from time to time. We get it. You vape. You actually don't vape. <laughs> I don't. No, that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> I Stop making fart jokes on my show. <laughs> We're not even on the fart episode. <laughs> so you're saying there's going to be a fart episode. Anyway. Species 10C, okay. much like cuttlefish. Cuttlefish have passing cloud pattern that is mm-hmm. kind of a rolling dark and light stripe that kind of moves up their body in this really hypnotic oh, way. Oh, like, um, like the shadows that clouds cast on the ground as they move. Yeah. Past. It's mostly for, like, prey hypnosis. Okay. But it's kind of communicating you're getting sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Sh- it, it's shh. It's just, it's okay. it's just go to sleep. Oh my gosh, why are you eating worms? Why are you eating worms? Why? <laughs> this is the most <laughs> loose episode. So the flashing lights mm-hmm. can be used as communication. And obviously humans have done this too with flashing lights, like Morse code between yes. ships or like a, that that has some applications as well. We We can translate flashing lights into mm-hmm. communicated like complex language yeah 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 awesome i didn't think about the morse code but that's a really interesting it's comparison. the same concept yeah, yeah but it's much more complicated because of course 10c's got this kind of arrangement mm-hmm. of many lights and yeah. so it takes a lot to be able to process all of that and that means 10c has a different conscious processing system mm-hmm. than we do but we could look at a big long word and understand what that means in the same way that they can look at these different arrangements of patterns and still get a complex meaning out of it. So that that's actually interesting. Like that they have, it's interesting that Star Trek found a way to convey really, or find a species that can convey a really interesting complex language mm-hmm. visually like that. Yeah, I love it when Star Trek plays with communication a little bit because it introduces a an interesting challenge for the crew and it gets around the universal translator can just sort of solve a lot of problems. Yeah, yeah. when we were reading up on this, we were looking at the two older Star Trek books mm-hmm. for, I think it was Seek Out New Life is what the one I was looking at, Oh yeah, uh, that talks about the universal translator and what the capabilities must be for a universal translator because they do it 
instantly. Yeah. And our brains are probably the most instant language translators possible. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of weird for a comm badge on its own, at least, to be able to instantly translate language. But when we were talking about this before, you had a bit of a theory about ways mm -hmm. to augment what's going on in the communicator. I could be wrong, but I think this is in the TNG technical manual, which I had when I was a kid. And you could tell this because if we ever find it in my stuff, the pictures are going to be colored in poorly. Oh. <laughs> but I used it as a reference hand like handbook all the way through like early high school. A handbook for I don't know. I love I just love the technical stuff. Sure. You know, so like when I had a spaceship question it would go to that yeah Aww. yeah <laughs> uh but they have a bit on communicators and i think i think what it said is that and it's not canon keep in mind it's just it's just a supplementary thing but i think that there are implants in the throat and behind the ear for people using com badges so that they can hear the translation or hear the com badge because, like, where do, when, you, when they click their com badge, where does the sound come from? Like, what are they actually hearing? And in the TV show, there's a lot of instances where it's pretty obvious that the sound is actually coming from the, the com badge. Yeah, so, tap it, yeah. yeah, and, like, other people can hear what's coming out of it. So that kind of, like, supersedes what's, what the handbook says, mm -hmm. says. Like, if you've ever used skull induction here, earphones, so, like, a tool like that having it connect wirelessly to like a skull induction mm -hmm. headphone behind the ear would allow for a for it to to do something like that but i think the real challenge is translating in real time because that's yeah which yeah. makes me wonder if there's like if there is some sort of head mm -hmm. implant that and i'm touching the right side of my head i'm really mean the left side of my head oh, yeah. maybe there's something like behind the left ear mm -hmm. that could bridge to say Wernicke's area yeah. that would help with the translation but the problem is there are thousands of languages mm -hmm. in there and nobody knows thousands of languages like yeah. Uhura who is arguably the queen of languages mm -hmm. in Star Trek she knows what eight? 22. 22. Yeah. Yeah I feel like they had that conversation yeah. on Star Trek. Hoshi Sato also speaks an absurd amount of languages too. Yeah. Yeah. But like oh and um not, Saru and Saru yeah, yeah but not thousands yeah so um just the it, basically the book was arguing that it's not possible no. for translator technology to exist because the best thing that we have for translating language mm -hmm. is brains yes and um they're pro pro translating languages that quickly mm -hmm. is an actual human brain or humanoid brain yeah and. A, an actual humanoid brain shouldn't be able to just like know mm -hmm. so many languages that of like especially in the first contact situations oh yeah when universal translators just work yeah and they, yeah. they really shouldn't um deanna troy has a really interesting quote when she she's talking to picard about being first contact with the tamarians mm -hmm. uh the what the people that speak in memes yes and she's she's breaking in, down why in communi analogy yeah in analogy metaphor. why communication with alien new aliens is so difficult and she holds up a glass of water and she s says a word uh, some made up word mm -hmm. and then she asks Picard well what did I say and he thinks about it and he says water 
And she says, did I? Because I might have meant glass. I might have meant cold. I might have meant clear. And uh, when you don't have a language base, a shared language base, you never know. That's fascinating. Mm -hmm. That reminds me of a story from high school. We had, my brother hosted a Japanese exchange student. Mm -hmm. And that poor guy had the hardest time because of exactly that. Like mm -hmm. we point, be pointing at the same thing and he couldn't recall the word that would make sense to us for mm -hmm. what he wanted because he was asking my mom for pretty water. Okay. And what he meant was like filtered water. Oh, okay. Because it was out, coming out of the refrigerator. See, I would have guessed sparkling water because sparkles are pretty. pretty. Yeah. Sure. Mm -hmm. So so it's very difficult once we move beyond like that baseline <laughs> bro, like what we need Braca's mm -hmm. area for, it, like like complex meaning, because yeah, it like it could be several things. When we talk yeah. about the qualities of things, it could it breaks down really quickly. Mm -hmm. And I mean, if we're talking about the communication of it all, different different things mean are translated differently in different cultures. Yeah. Like how certain cultures don't have the color blue. Oh, and how the color orange wasn't mm -hmm. actually called orange until the fruit oranges were cultivated within the last thousand years. Mm -hmm. But they didn't have orange like in the BCEs yeah. because oranges, the fruit, didn't exist. Wow. For our Terry Pratchett fans out there, he invented a color, which is the color of magic, and it's octarine. <laughs> so, like, points if you can describe what that looks like. <laughs> Green and sparkly, obviously. See, I would have thought green and sparkly, too. Actually, I would have thought orange <laughs> for some reason, like tangerine. Oh. <laughs> but see, we both have different ideas about that, right? Exactly. Yeah. Magic. <laughs> so let's get to the t telepathic stuff, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I mentioned the Cairn earlier. They're like a primarily a telepathic species. I think they have what, what the show calls vocal enhancers, so they can talk, but they don't naturally speak verbally. It's interesting because we have other telepathic mm -hmm. species that are, they have workarounds. They've found workarounds mm -hmm. for verbal communication. And, well, not all of them, though, because betazoids, for instance, they, they can, can talk just can fine. Absolutely fine. Yeah. They just don't like it. They don't prefer to. Mm. But they certainly can. So they had did not evolve the vocal cords away. Yeah. And the baseline human, what 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 was our term for the the progenitor? The progenitor oh, yes. had does the progenitor is the progenitor t telepathic or were they speaking? Well, it was a recording, so I think they were speaking with their mouth. I don't know that telepathy would come through I something like that. I just don't remember like what the face looked like, so I don't remember if there's like a ma 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 face moving or... There is. There okay. Is. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just sort of like a... Like, think about like if you left a human in a hot car for too long. Sure. Sure. I know what <laughs> I look a, like when like I've been Like a VHS cassette. Oh, my God. Anyway, but that's my thing is the mm -hmm. vocal cords of the baseline traits, so... Betazoids have not evolved away from that baseline vocal cord, like possession of vocal cords, mm -hmm. and they can still use them to communicate some kind of language. Versus, well, let's see. We've got the purely telepathic ones like the Ramatizians, which I keep bringing up. Well, because so they're they, interesting because they 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 communicate verbally, but they're indirectly. Royal, 
Their, well, no, directly. But their their royal line has hereditary deafness. Oh, that's what it then is. And they can develop a telepathic link over time. Mm-hmm. But it's very, like, it takes a long time, and it's kind of an intimate connection. Yeah. So he has this group of translators that have been with him since he was a kid. That's, that's about yeah. I forgot. I just assumed all the rheumatisians yeah. were like that, because... Hashtag not all rheumatisians. No. The other one I can think of, though. So, like, that that guy has a Greek chorus mm-hmm. that he's developed this telepathic link yeah. with. And kind of a kind of a privileged form of... Communication. Communication. Especially yeah. because it takes multiple people. It's yeah. not just one person. You'd think something like sign language would be more accessible, but... It is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although, um, so my mom was a professional sign language interpreter mm-hmm. at, at a college for decades and she always worked with someone else it was never just one interpreter there was always two to switch off because mm-hmm. your arms get tired if yeah. you your arms get tired if you are not a native sign speaker mm-hmm. like sign speaker i guess but like if if sign is your first language you don't get the arm fatigue and you don't get the arthritis that verbal speakers as a first language mm-hmm. people do is that isn't that interesting that's really interesting so is that um is that a trend like are there exceptions to that i mean everybody gets old eventually mm, but okay. like yeah it, mm-hmm. like your arms wear out much faster your arms and your hands and your fingers wear out much faster as a non-deaf sign language interpreter oh, that's interesting mm-hmm. cool human yeah. bodies are neat human bodies are yeah. really neat we we adapt to a lot of stuff, and that's why it's fun talking about humanoid adaptation, extreme humanoid adaptations, alien humanoid adaptations. Because yeah, because we are actually capable of so much that it's fun to see physiologically, anyway. Mm-hmm. That it's fun to see how other planets or think about how other planets might do it. Yeah, I think the kind of last category we thought of was more mechanical mm-hmm. and you thought of the Borg and we've talked a lot about the Borg already yeah. and how they have this neural link mm-hmm. they literally plug in but the other kind of communication that I thought of yeah what are the names of the little, the ones that steal the ship and they speak in binary code binars binars yes yeah, yeah so mm-hmm. they're just sitting there going I think um, I think they communicate in binary, and one of the reasons yeah. they're, they do that so quickly is because, like, you would have to, because that's kind of a long to do that verbally is, uh, it's that's kind of the slow route. They probably communicate via those little like boxes, like wirelessly most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the 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 binary code and being able mm-hmm. to like coding your speech. I'm gonna look them up really fast because I'm gonna see what they look like. Binars. Binars. Well, they look like little purple dudes. Yeah, they look like the aliens that everyone talks about when they get abducted. (laughs) Not exactly. Not exactly. You know, yeah, you're right. I just I don't know why I always imagine their eyes being bigger than they actually are. No, it's because they okay. So they have little little devices Mm -hmm. clipped to the sides of their heads. And I, they, I know that flashes. I think it might actually help them communicate. Mm. Oh yeah, they have asymmetrical ears. Mm-hmm. Well, and they, they um, live their life in pairs, like they're pair bonded yeah. from an early age. Binary. Beep, 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 beep. Yeah. 
Um, and they are interconnected with a master computer. Binaus is their... Uh, Binaus? Binaus is their home planet, not okay. Binar. Right. You'd oh. think. Binar is the people. Binaus is the planet. Yes. When a Binar is born, a surgeon removed the child's parietal lobe and replaced it with a synaptic processor. That sounds horrifying. So, yeah. So it sounds like they're not... They're not naturally like that. No, but no. they're not assimilatory like the Borg are. They just kind of do that because it helps them communicate faster. So Chilling. Some, somebody just got impatient with their kid not being able to develop speech fast enough and was like, I know, just plug them in. It's just, it's so hard to separate that from my own cultural context and ask what mega corporation decided this is what everyone should do. I guess. <laughs> because it makes them money. Yeah. And glances I mean... significantly at a particular multi-billionaire. <laughs> <laughs> Well, on that note, like that, that was my last piece of, uh, communication that I thought was really interesting just okay. was that the Barnars had this computery language, but I, I'd forgotten that yeah. they actually software updates must suck for them. I mean, they go, if they have a sleep mode, why not? <laughs> it's, it's probably fine. Until, we... until they, until they break your brain because it's not the newest model. I mean, we do software updates while we sleep. We just defrag, so mm. to speak, and process and store stuff into long-term memory, clear out our caches, etc. Yeah. But it's a closed system. It's not connected to a master computer. Mm. My system always accepts cookies. <laughs> On that note. Okay. We're done. Yeah, that's it. We're that's done. the end of the that's episode. It. If you like this episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcast listening app like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and now YouTube. While you're thinking about it, please rate us and leave us a review so other people can find us. If you didn't like this episode, maybe listen listen again just to make sure. You, you never know. Yeah. Yeah. You can now follow us both on Tumblr and Instagram at Spinal Frontier Pod. And don't forget, again, YouTube. <laughs> you can find us on the Strange New Pod Picard Week feed because Aaron kindly was the scorekeeper on for Trexperts. Trexperts quiz, their big Picard week feature. Watch me flail all around trying to keep track of numbers. <laughs> uh, if you want to witness Aaron doing more than that, mm -hmm. uh, actually doing much better. <laughs> Aaron's better at Star Trek than I am. I, I don't know if you really knew lucky this. That episode. Uh, no, no, really no you really did I got not. Really lucky. Anyway, okay, honey, you can press play. <laughs> <laughs>